Good day and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Cardi, with Joe Scrabbles. Hello. Hello. Matthew Perslow. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're going to speak a lot about like video game adaptations this week, but Why? not necessarily ones you've seen in the past, but ones we'd want to see in the future as we build our own video game TV and movie streaming services. But before we do that, the reason we're doing that, and you asked why, Joe, that's because we got our first look at the Mario movie yesterday, which I think, personally, looks banging. I don't know what you guys think. I'm I'm all in. It looks nice. I'd say banging is maybe a bit far for me as someone who doesn't have a huge amount of personal attachment to Mario, but I think it, lo- it looks exactly what I'd expect a Mario film to look like. Illumination, pretty good studio, particularly for their animation. I, mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, let's just get this out of the way. I think the voice is fine. I think we barely heard you know, it. Get over it. Yeah. I know. And it sounded fine. It's going to sound fine. It sounded in I don't think it's an issue. Like, yeah. I know everybody's going bananas about the fact that why does the French guy sound more like Mario than the, than the yeah. actual US kind of recording for it? But. It's like ultimately, like, is the voice of Mario the the absolute definition no. of what you desperately need? No, from I the think film? this is the de- I think this is the definition of a grow up situation for I mean, a lot of people. The definition <laughs> of what you need from Mario is nothing that could ever be expressed in a movie about Mario. So it's pretty much a blank <laughs> slate of just like that is true. If this looks like a if this ends up like the Lego Movie, then I'm basically fine with it. If it ends up trying mm-hmm. to be serious or like maybe a bit Wreck-It Ralphy, then I'll probably be a bit annoyed I, with it. I think they're going to lean into silly, because if, you know, the minions, they're silly, aren't they? They're not trying to, they're not trying to say too much with those films, are no. they? They're just, they're, just, they're just silly, and that's what I'm hoping for. I do think Jack Black as Bowser is, is a good shout. He can definitely do that. Up and for that. He has, he has Bowser energy. Um, I just like that it looks like a 3D, like a very, very nice-looking 3D Mario game. Um, which is what I want. Like they haven't messed with it. All. He looks like, everything looks as it should, which is is good. I'm sure Nintendo wouldn't have let that happen otherwise. But like, there's a lot of theories going around. I think everyone's kind of on the same page that we feel like maybe Chris Pratt has been transported from maybe real life New York and threw a pipe into this world. Is that, I feel like that's is that what what is going on in there? I've, I feel I, like I've seen so many tweets about lots this, of and people. that's immediately yeah. what I thought it was. Mm. Like, I think the coming out of the pipe and landing in the Mushroom Kingdom feels to me. So I watched James and the Giant Peach. I'm on a Henry Selleck like thing at the moment, <laughs> and the bit where James goes from real life to like claymation, mm. Mm. I can just see that the bit where he comes out the pipe in that trailer is the end part of a really cool bit where a actual real Chris Pratt gets pulled down a sewage pipe mm-hmm. and gets popped out into the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm. I'd, I could, I'd be fine with I it. I could see it. I think that's that's kind of the most... You've either got to go that... There's, there's two ways. It's either that way, isn't it? Or it's just this world exists and Mario is in it. But like, you either go like... Do we think this is a situation where Chris Pratt's character is aware of Mario as a fictional oh, character in I real life? Not. I, I hope I not. I don't want any met. Yeah, I don't want that like meta level to it. I, hope I just want him to be dimension. like. I want him to arrive in this world and be like, "Oh, this is what I look like now," like Wizard of Oz style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Dorothy's like, "Oh, well, this is me in this world, is it?" Okay. I really is that thing right? Is that trailer makes it clear that he's not very familiar with the Mushroom Kingdom? This is kind of new, mm-hmm. unless. 
they've trailers always like place voice lines mm. from different scenes over mm. scenes that are in the trailer right so it might be a like a red herring but that's kind of what it felt like to me i do wonder mm. if um no sorry i don't wonder i, I am delighted <laughs> that when uh when they cast charlie day as luigi i was like have they cast him just because Charlie Day has a really funny scream? And the only thing Luigi does in this entire trailer is scream. And I was like, good, that's what I wanted. Screaming Charlie. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, we haven't really seen too much of it, but it looks right, which is the first step, isn't it? It doesn't. It wasn't the sonic reaction of like, ooh, we've yeah. got to change this. <laughs> it is quite so. an oddly chosen, like an oddly structured trailer in quite a, mm-hmm. in a way that I appreciate, like... There's a lot more Bowser in it than there is Mario, and it's like so. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see how that's how that how they're yeah. placing that idea. Um, yeah, I would say I'm not as um, tired of Chris Pratt as a lot of as most of the world seems to be, or I don't know, maybe it's just the bubble I'm in of people who seem to very much want Chris Pratt to not be in this film. But um, like I did watch, I don't know if you guys watched the live stream, the actual stri- direct they were doing for it, where he was talking about being in the film. It did sound like he'd never heard of Mario before. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, was, he was, he was like, I remember when I was five going to the laundromat and playing Mario on the arcade machine. Bullshit. <laughs> and then he was like, fulfilling but it's the sort of things he was saying that you think is he kind of saying this tongue-in-cheek but like very seriously to camera saying fulfilling a lifelong ambition of playing mario <laughs> i was like is it a lifelong ambition got to be a joke <laughs> yeah but he wasn't he wasn't smiling if that is the case <laughs> Yeah, whereas Jack Black was just being a bit mad, which is what you want. Yeah, I'm. We haven't seen too much of the film. We've seen some penguins. We've seen some Coopers. Uh, we've seen some. We didn't see any Goombas, did we? Um, no, there were no. some dry bones right towards the end. Is that what they're called, the skeleton boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. skeleton Coopers. Oh, I'm into it. Um, the tra- do you know what the actual poster they revealed before the trailer did more for me? I liked that whole. Se- I hope we get a bit of that of him just like walking through a town and there's loads of little Easter eggs and stuff like that. But yeah. I want some fun stuff because I didn't think Detective Pikachu was on a whole successful, but I did think he got elements of it right. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. that was more of the fun stuff, like the first third of the film where you're just kind of in that world was quite fun. Yeah. I think, and but I hope we get a lot of that in this. Once it became an actual plot. You were a bit like, ah, yeah. this is shy. Yeah. But the actual, yeah, the, the world, I, like, I came stuff, out yeah. of that film being like, this is all right. I quite enjoyed this. Yeah. Because it just mm. did a job. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Hopefully it is good. Um, but yeah, that's out in April. I didn't know it was coming so soon. I mm. thought it was a bit later. So yeah, something to look forward to. Um, something you can watch today, though, that's dropped on Disney Plus, Werewolf by Night. A special presentation from Marvel, a new thing they're trying out, which I frankly hope we get more of because I just watched this before the podcast and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, um, if you don't know what Werewolf by Night is, it is uh, like I said, it's a one-off, like forty-five minute sort of short film in a way. It's a, like I said, it's a one-off, not really connected to anything else Marvel, which is refreshing. And yeah, it's an ode to those thirties and forties monster movies with cool like modern like Marvel action uh thrown in. It feels it's like it's really got some, well done. Like Grindhouse in there as well. Like it has like for a Marvel property, it's surprisingly gory at times. Mm. Like they actually go for it. Like it's like proper it's not ever scary, but it is horror. Like mm. it's like a like I said, it's those like old monster movies, but like 
even like they go all the way to even like adding like little touches i appreciate like the little like cigarette burn circle in the mm-hmm. corner which signals like in the olden days the real signal, change you right, know yeah. the real change yeah which obviously they don't need on disney plus but i like that they've just like put a couple of those in just to, like really drive home that point um and there's one scene with a i'm not gonna spoil anything but there's a flaming trombone at one point which Ooh. is fantastic trombone champ i mean <laughs> it's weird exactly is what you're saying oh is it a ch- sorry i said trombone it's a tuba <gasps> i lied i'm sorry a very different beast mm. is the tuba um but yeah it's it's very good it's it's horror but it's also silly it's just very fun it's a very fun 45 minutes i think the star of it by far is harriet sansom harris who is in she's been in the last couple of paul thomas anderson films she's in phantom fred she steals she has the best scene in licorice pizza as the like talent agent mm. the um who's doing the audition she just has like this really just unique sort of like smirking un unsettling grin <laughs> and like she does it a lot during this and she's she's fantastic she's sort of the organizer of this event which is kind of the whole premise of werewolf by night is all these hunters coming together for a competition a competition essentially to become the new like chief hunter of this place and that's the concept and they're all hunting this monster in this sort of like labyrinth maze it's just a very fun concept and obviously not gonna say what goes on from there because it's only 45 minutes long but it, it yeah it does it all very well and yeah i can't recommend it enough it was the first real um horror thing i've watched this halloween season so it was a good start to it i really want to watch the new hellraiser but you just can't in the uk i don't know what's going on there what's going on (laughs) not bothering yeah even though it's a hulu thing it's not on disney plus over here and there's just literally there's no no word nothing because they think we'll all get too horny over it because we're so (laughs) open-minded and european (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just love Cenobites too much over here. Yeah, um, we all know. Our, have we mentioned on the podcast our love for CD before? We've definitely we talked about CD, but it was it would have been years and years ago. Yeah, if you've never watched any of the Hellraiser films, just look up, um, search Hellraiser CD, Is it, and you'll have a treat. It's an incredible that? Hellraiser Six, Lost in New York, or something. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, it's it's one of those ones. I, I admit I've not seen the actual one with CD in, but I, but you've watched I, I love the CD him as a concept enough times that you've basically exactly. watched that movie. And we should confirm his name's not CD as in like a CD loaf. It's CD as in like the disc, That's a it. compact disc. Because you've got to remember <laughs> that all the Cenobites are like the ultimate manifestations of human depravity, and one of those was CDs. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So yeah, um, yeah, I want to watch Hellraiser, and there are no legal means in the UK to do that at the moment. So that is quite annoying. Mm. So sort that out, please. Especially as we got prey like the, the same mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Just, like, come on. What's going on? Kiss it. Anyway, yeah. Wealth by night. I can't recommend that enough. I had a very, very fun 45 minutes. Uh, you guys have been playing something with a little bit of an eerie edge, I believe. Mm-hmm. Something I have installed and ready to go, but you both loved quite a bit, I believe, which is the excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Most people probably haven't even heard what this is. So, so what is it? Uh... The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow is a classic styled point and click pixel art and all. Um, no mm-hmm. like verb sheets or anything, just like clicking and interacting. Um, and it's a folk horror set in a remote Yorkshire village in the 1800s. Uh, and if that mm. sounds very quaint and uh, and indie, that's because it is, and it's brilliant. Um, it's it's got this really odd 
like everything about it feels like they're trying to be authentic to both the genre of movies they're talking about and the genre of games they're going for. The only odd addition being like it has quite like this odd like Carpenter eighties soundtrack, like synthy soundtrack mm-hmm. to it, which is like mm. a very strange extra to everything else feeling very on the nose, like going for the going for the genre standards. Um and it leads to this like never scary but often eerie uh like folk horror story that you're sort of picking your way through piece by piece. Um it has a very distinct ending, but it doesn't necessarily answer every question it poses as you go through. And you kind of, me and Matt sort of talked about it when we both finished. And when you think back over some of the things that happened, you realize that you haven't been given all the answers. So you have an end to your story, but you're very much seeing it through the eyes of a character who didn't see the whole thing. And it makes for like oh, okay. it's a very cool way of like dealing with that kind of situation. But there's no like branching narratives or anything. There's one story there's, for everyone. Yeah, there's one story. There are things that you can do that, like, you you might miss. For example, there are, I've got actually quite a handful of Steam achievements that I've not picked up because there are quite clearly a lot of alternate conversation branches and stuff like that. But the end is the end, and yes. is. It's it's quite like it's a surprisingly long for what it is. Like it took me about seven to eight hours to finish. I don't know if you got through it quicker, Joe. But I, mean, I think like, I was four or five. But right. I was mm-hmm. sort of by the end, I was like really looking to get to the end because I wanted to see how it where it was going. Yeah, and it's one of those where, as with so much folk horror, kind of like the end comes at you like a panther out of fucking bush. <laughs> like it really does. Like you've had quite a few hours of just this village that there's clearly something not quite right about it um but then when the ending comes it likes to, it like it it has a lot of ideas it wants to explore which i love but it's an ending that's had me thinking about it and talking about it for days and sort of like me and my partner played this through and it's just every day there's been a like oh wait if this happened suddenly it could give context to things that characters have said before. And as I say, like Joe says, no specific answer to that, but it's it's been really fun to like theory craft from there how where the story plots to has affected all the things that you've seen and things that you thought were one thing, a fairly normal thing, actually yeah. have more elements of the sinister to it. Okay, that's why I've heard a lot. Of, whenever you guys talk about this game, I've heard a lot about like the really cool tone, the really cool story, and that's that is what gets me into a lot of games. Like, but what is the actual? You said it's like a point and click. Is mm. it at all like? Is it a good point? Like are the puzzles good? It's, or it's, is it I wouldn't of... say it's got puzzles. To there are oh, okay. certain things where you have to figure out, but I actually feel like it's closer to La Noir in the idea of like it's a lot of talking to people and talking to the right person so that they tell you something that is then useful for you to go and talk to someone else with. There's probably in total, like maybe about between five and 10 of the, you need to find this item because it unlocks the ability to use Mm. this other item. Yeah. There's, and frankly, I think one or two of those puzzles in the mid game actually feel quite like they're in the way. Mm -hmm. Like, Matt, I don't know if you had this as well, but the flowers puzzle, like where there's like a market and you have some, and there's flowers that you need to be finding. And yeah. I, I got stuck on it for long enough that I was just like, 
actually, I think this is quite fucking irritating. <laughs> and no, I wish. So that one I got on fine with. I think it was the. Oh, wait, no, no. Actually, it is because it's the stuff that leads to what that's leading to. <laughs> is I was yeah. like, what the fuck do I do to do this? Yeah. And then realized it's something to do with flowers. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think that does. And there is a lot of that kind of like that middle section has a lot of like shit errands that you're sort mm. of doing for people. Yeah. Um, which to me made it feel almost a little bit life is strange rather than a folk horror. Because it yeah. was like all of these people have got troubles that need to get over with. And like it wasn't quite bleeding the strangeness in enough for yeah. me at that point. But mm-hmm. like it's ultimately that felt a minor quibble. It's kind yeah, oh, that and that's kind of my point is like mm-hmm. really the puzzles aren't the point. It's like the texture of a point and click, like the yeah. look mm-hmm. of it, the okay. vibe of how you're talking to people and the way that you can get those interactions and the way a point and click makes you learn a location. Like by mm-hmm. the end, like there's not many places to go in this game, but you'll go to all of them a lot and there will be changes as you go. And it gives the sense of like being trapped in a village in a way that I think like a first person just walk around the village game wouldn't give you like it has quite a claustrophobic air and i think that's really really smart um mm-hmm. it just feels like yeah it feels apart from the fact that it's probably you know uh, without being reductive like probably a little cheaper and easier to make a point and click than like a first person uh everybody's gone to the rapture which weirdly is kind of the closest analog to the vibe of some of this stuff like the mm-hmm. place you're in and the the atmosphere occasionally um but it's also yeah it just has this like it does this really lovely thing as well where um everything looks like a classic like monkey island era point point and click but occasionally you'll just get like these sudden close-ups of things that are more or less from your character's point of view and it's like always a slightly fucked looking face or like someone leering at you or occasion there's like this cat that kind of haunts you throughout mm. the game and has a very odd face called is he called herbert i can't remember herbert, what yeah yeah and you see this cat occasionally and it'll just do these close-ups of this cat and you're like this cat looks horrible and it's this really odd like cutscene approach where there's no words it's just like here's what i'm looking at it's freaky um <laughs> it's very cool i like it a lot it's like you've described it as folk horror is it like actually scary is it more like you know the wicker man is when I think folk horror, a lot of people probably think The Wicker Man. I don't find... I love that film. I don't find it scary. It has horrific moments, if you know, like, in, in that sense. Yeah, of the world. I, I it's think that vibe. You, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's yeah. nice. occasionally bits of unsettling. As I say, I think actually the first two thirds of the game are surprisingly kind of mellow on that. It's just a mm. case of... So you are there. Like, the, the excavation of Hobbs Barrow refers to your main character, Thomasina... Like her father used to go around excavating old graves in the country and you're kind of sort of following on in that. And you've come to this town that has one of those, which obviously automatically sets up the idea of like, oh, you shouldn't be poking around the dead, really. Mm. And that gives you the initial sense of why there should be a certain amount of unsettling to this game. And it never fully sort of like goes where you think it will in that. It's not a constant sense of like, old people going oh don't disturb the dead mm. dearie the dead don't die um you don't get really any of that there's it has a very very subtle sense as i say of things that 
I only truly realised a lot of things that were actually sort of horror, knowing how the game ended and going, oh, so that's why this probably was the way it was. Mm. Um, but like like stuff like The Witch and like stuff like The Wicker Man, when it gets mm. to its end, it, it opens the valve like 100%. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like a good weekend for me. The excavation of Hobbs Barrow. Is it just on Steam at the moment? I believe so, as far as you guys know. Nice. I'm definitely going to check it out. It's been a right. really good year for point and clicks. Mm-hmm. Like yes. this, I need to Norco. Check out that Norco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Monkey Island, Monkey Island. Too, in its own way, which I still haven't yeah. played. Um, there's yeah. just like loads Citizen of cool Sleeper stuff. is Citizen slightly Sleeper, point yeah. and click to its own degree. Yeah. yeah. It's just really go. cool stuff going on. A renaissance of, of sorts. Right, it's time for the main event. We're going to build our own streaming services, so a Netflix or an Amazon Prime, but basically all they do is video game adaptations. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doomed <laughs> enterprises. I, exactly. Because, you know, what? it's been a long storied history. There's not been very many good ones at all. We had Arcane, which is like a masterpiece, I think. Like, that is the real anomaly. Like, there's not many others you can list that are genuinely successful video game adaptations. But we are at, like, Um, this weird inflection point where it feels like we're either about to enter a golden age of adaptations or everyone's going to try one and they're all going to be shite and it will all collapse and we'll never try again. I know you've been watching it, Matt. I haven't got around to it yet, but uh, Edge Runners, the mm-hmm. cyberpunk anime, is actually getting very good reviews. Yeah. So maybe animation's the way to go for these things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Castlevania as well is incredible. Like that's a really Absolutely. brilliant, brilliant show. There we go. Well, we only have room for one animation on our list, so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've made it harder for ourselves. Basically, we are going to build, like I said, these streaming services. We'll take turns at picking them. No one can double up. Um, you can go in as in-depth on this idea as, as you think for each one as you want. But basically, what we've got as categories are, we're going to be picking a blockbuster movie, an indie movie, a prestige TV series, an animated movie or series, a comedy movie or series, a reality-slash-game show, which is probably the hardest of them all. It's not um, for me. A remake, a remake, so any movie or TV remake of... A video game that's already had an adaptation. Or is currently about to get one. Yes, or is currently in production. And then finally, of course, the special source, which is just a wild card. Anything you want, Mm -hmm. basically, um, that you want to put in there. So, yeah, if you haven't listened to one of these before, it's all very self-explanatory. We'll work it out. And, of course, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com for your thoughts. And, of course, I'll probably reiterate this at the end. Send in what you think. What's your dream adaptation for a video game, TV, or movie? We'd love to know. Right, have you got the wheel of names up, Joe? I do. The wheel of names is ready. It says Joe Cardi <laughs> and Matt on it. First. I'm going to spin it. I think this is, this is going to be an interesting one because we... I don't think there'll be too many here that we'll want to double up on that people yeah. take away from There's each other. There's maybe a there couple. Might, be, there will be a couple, I think. And we're not, we're not putting any restrictions on like dream filmmakers or stars or anything like that it's just the it's just the um, properties themselves i don't know can we dub- can we double up on directors or not of course I don't you know. can I directors can do can multiple you? projects okay fair enough um also have we pointed out that this is going to be snake draft format so oh yeah back and so forth. whoever goes first yeah goes sixth so yeah, yeah. okay yeah. i'm spinning this is to go first be me be me be me be me 
Oh, it's so close to me, but it's not. It's Matt. Matt is uh, number one. Remove him from the, the wheel. Who will be? Oh, God, it's a 50-50. It is a 50-50. That's good maths, <laughs> Carly. Uh, I, I'm, I've always been good at uh, mental arithmetic. It's me. I'm in the middle. Oh, and Carly's third. Uh, okay, so, yeah. The snake draft means it's it's Matt, Joe, me, then me, Joe, Matt, and someone from there. Correct. So, Matt, where, where are you going first? Okay, I am take it from going me. to take what I think is one of the most important stories ever told in video games for my remake, because the damn thing's already in production. <laughs> Disco Elysium. Ooh, oh, God it. damn it. So they, uh, <laughs> a TV show that I am dreadfully concerned about, uh, sort of largely because I don't think it should ever be made, basically. Mm. But if it is going to be made, it needs to be done You want to well. do it. <laughs> so basically, you're just getting the rights here so it doesn't happen. I mean, it's I'm not, I'm not going to... But, but there will be a problem, you know, kind of Matflix cannot launch without the you've show. Already got a, you've got it. a name for your streaming service. Uh, I'm just going to be Simon Prime. <laughs> I'm going to be oh, Joe Lou. <laughs> <laughs> so my Disco Elysium show, um, and I think the most important thing that I think about this is like I'm really worried that like whatever they make as a show is just going to be like the retelling of the story of Disco Elysium, which you just straight up can't do because that story is so personal to the character you make mm. Um, mm-hmm. that you, you cannot have... I don't even want to say the name of the character that is at the centre of it for anybody that hasn't played it. Do you mean um, but... uh, Raphael Ambrosius? <laughs> <laughs> but the the whole point is is like you shape your character and like their their kind of like personal philosophies and worldviews are so much of you, and the way that 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 game story ends is so much of you that it can't be retold. However, Kuno Kovitz. Well, I mean, yeah, the people that made this game need something to do. So that's a great TV point. You... <laughs> the thing is, is like, like regardless of you know who was involved in this, Kurvitz, you know, the guy that invented the the world of Elysium, it is a full world. Like anybody that's interested in this, I urge you to go to look at the Disco Elysium wiki because there is so much about that world that already exists. Like all of the like islands in the world exist. There's all about the you know the whole history of it. And I think there are definitely characters that you can use from this. Like Kim Katsuragi is a pre-built character who has his own morality, who has his own philosophy. You Mm. can use him as kind of a central character to anchor it into the game so people know him and have that as a, a starting point. But there is so much else to talk about in that world. And it would be, you know, for me, would be a Disco Elysium show just telling a completely different story. Maybe one that the final scene is Kim turning up in Revachon mm, to start mm-hmm. the the game. Uh, did you think um, and I, would... well, I know you didn't have this for all yours necessarily. Yeah. Did you have like a director or a creator, yeah. someone you'd want attached? I think, I think there's a very obvious point here. It's David Lynch. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah what, it is obvious. One of the really important things that I think out of, like I've interviewed the people from Disco Elysium like several times now over my career. And I did a really good interview when the final cut came out with Helen Hinpair, who's like the the secondary lead writer, basically, on it after Kurvitz. And I went in with kind of that classic sort of, I guess, games journal bullshit of like how lofty this is and how important it is. And, you know, what what was it like getting all that right? And she was like, you have to remember, like, this is a comedy. Like for all of the kind of, you know, heavy political themes that are in here, 
it's quite daft in many ways. You know, it starts with you talking to your tie and the tie can talk back. And mm-hmm. so, so much of Lynch is in there, so much of that weirdness. I just think like, if you're going to do it, get the guy that was so influential on a, on a big part of its personality to take it on. It's also why the end of that game is so sad because mm-hmm. the comedy is so a part of it that when it drops into seriousness, you really feel it. And Lynch yeah. is obviously great for that. He usually mm-hmm. does it more for dread or horror than yeah. sadness, but there's definitely some of that. Absolutely. Good good first pick, that. Solid. Um, Joe, where are you going? I'm going with what I think is the most obvious thing you could possibly do, which is animation, movie, or series. It's Overwatch, the series, oh, for... by, oh, by Pixar. My... You knew that would be my first yeah. one. Um, and directed by Brad Bird. Uh, it's... It's oh, just Robert, very good, very like, good. It's got uh, it's got to be a Brad Bird Overwatch series where you do it. Like they've already made half of this shit. <laughs> like those shorts mm-hmm. are out there, and they're fucking amazing. Um, like I still think about that. <sighs> so annoyed that original uh, that original short that they did to introduce mm-hmm. Overwatch with the museum heist and like the li- yeah. what's the kid called Timmy? We just call him the boy. Um, yeah, he's oh, a spray boy. There's a new um, the Kiriko animation is dropping today. So there's a new anime. Hello. Sure. Didn't know that. Oh, um, yeah. And they're just like, it lends itself so perfectly to a, a, a yeah, Like they are purposely really invoking Pixar and it, it's all there. Like it's just so obvious. Yeah. I'm annoyed. Um, I was going to go, I my first bit was going to be an Overwatch animated series, mm-hmm. but um, mine was actually, I was going in a different direction. I want the Daniels to direct mine. Oh, okay, that's cool. Not only because I follow one of the Daniels who actually loves Overwatch and tweets and tweeted (laughs) about it a lot in the past, um, and actually even watch Overwatch League. (laughs) So I feel like they have to love those characters, but also they showed in everything, everywhere, all at once. They now have to direct action. Abilities won't be a problem with the amount of stuff that happens in that film. Like and also the heart they'll also bring to it as well, I Mm. think, with like basically a family of heroes. So yeah. I'm um next week I think I'm gonna write a feature up on all of the things we're talking about in this, so I'll be able to write about that in more depth. But yeah, I would have I like I like the idea of the Daniels doing it. But um Yeah. Well it's not happening, so fuck off. Joe Lou's got it. I know. Exactly. Well I've got to pick my first one now, which has thrown me right off. I only have other I only have one other option now for animated because that was going to be my animated series. So I'm instead going to do an animated movie. Mm-hmm. I want Gareth Ed- Gareth Evans mm-hmm. of The Raid to direct an animated film of Hotline Miami. Ooh. Nice. That's good. I don't know how... Obviously, he's only ever worked in live action, but surely he could... I'm even... When I say animated, I'm almost imagining it a little bit like sort of... Um, drawn over real life like rotoscope you know what i mean yeah yeah like imagine it a bit like that he can direct action pretty much better than most people out there if you've seen the raid film films you know that hotline miami is essentially the raid uh in the 80s with a lot more color Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah i feel like that will be the way i want to go with this and just that soundtrack for that would be amazing alone i feel like it suits a film as a one-off film better than a series so yeah yeah, i'm gonna i want an animated movie of Hotline Miami by Gareth Evans of the really Raid. upsettingly violent hyperkinetic scanner. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, a bit like um a really good version of um is it Love, Death, and Robots, but like a full mm. length, like properly good mm-hmm. one of those is what I'm imagining. Um, so that's my. I don't know where to go. Now. I don't really have any. 
<sighs> Do you know what? I might actually go for remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gareth Evans, I was going to have him directing another one for remake, but I'm getting rid of that now. <laughs> so I'm going with my other remake, which is Ari Aster's Silent Hill. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he is probably the most exciting horror director in the world at the moment after Hereditary and Midsummer. Just put him in Silent Hill. He'll have a lovely time with that, I'm sure. He knows how to build a really, really creepy community. Uh, so, yeah. And he does really like, as we discussed with folk horror, there's an element, like, Silent Hill isn't folk horror, but it kind of has that, like, slow kind of build that folk horror does. And I feel like he'd have a lot of fun with that. And, yeah, basically. I don't actually, I've only ever seen it once when it, like, originally came out. I don't remember hating the Silent Hill film. I never. Bothered. I know it's not generally loved, but I I think it's all right. But yeah, get Ari Aster on that because he will absolutely demolish it. I'm sure. Demolish um, it. Yeah, my other. I'll, I'll leave that to the end. Actually, my uh, what my uh, backup was for that um, because I think it would also be very good. But yeah, I went. I went remakes. I didn't really have too many options. I thought that I want. So yeah, those are my two. It's back to you, Joe. Okay. I've got one that I think is actually like a good idea, but I've got another one that I'm more excited to think about. <laughs> okay. Which is you reunite David Fincher and Brad Pitt. That's always and you that's get just works. It just works wherever you do. And I'm thinking more like seven y Fincher. Overblown, okay. noiry, really interested mm-hmm. in making a very grim place. And you get them to make Dishonored. Oh Brad Pitt. That's interesting. As, as, <laughs> like grizzled older Brad Pitt as Corvo. Fincher mm. having him horrifically murder a series of very venerable British character actors. <laughs> so I'm thinking mm-hmm. Toby Jones. I'm thinking Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I'm thinking... Uh, that man with the voice from Andor and Game of Thrones who speaks like this. The man with the voice from Game of Thrones and Andor. The guy who plays Finchy. I want them all getting killed off. And wearing is uniforms. this a film or a series? This is my blockbuster movie. Oh, okay. This there is David Fincher's Dishonored. I just think he'd do... It, I mean, it's interesting. I think he'd do the, like, inky, horrible Dunwall really mm. well. And He I th- knows how to do a rainy city, doesn't he? And I think he'd do... He'd balance the creepiness of the fact that, like, you're rooting for Corvo, but he's actually a really doing un- very unpleasant things to people. And I just think he'd... There's also, like, he's dropped it a bit in recent... Well, actually, I guess, like, there's the conspiracy element of Dun- of Dishonored as well. Like, mm-hmm. there is something being unraveled. Like, it's obviously more fantastical than, he's, than he goes in for. But I think he'd mm-hmm. get to the heart of how, like, grimy that whole world is in a way that I would really enjoy. Mm. So I'm going Dishonored was that. one of the picks that I put for Blockbuster. But, like, I was, I was coming from... I was really struggling to think of the right person for the look of Dishonored mm. more so than I think I think Finch is a really good pick because of how like like you say like it, it relates to the plot and the actual physical action that's happening whereas I was thinking more along the lines of like Dotaro is the sort of person that I could have imagined putting together like the mask and the mm. weird kind of props and stuff like that mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think Finch's version would be less outre it would be mm-hmm. a, it would be a more like down Street level. Do you think he'd be? 
do you think he'd be into having all like the magic abilities, or he'd keep it? No, this guy's just going around stabbing people. I think he'd. I think you'd have to have a little bit of magic, and you'd have to mm. have the outsider. But I think he'd tone it down and have it more as like the the miserable, like <laughs> bloody mm. take on this. You know, like how blankly he does violence, like in mm-hmm. the end of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, or um, like mm-hmm. that horrific stabbing scene in Zodiac, where there's like mm-hmm. no noise and it's just like. He's oh, just, just watching it. He's just yeah. got like, he's got like this very, like queasy blank violence that I think would map onto Dishonored quite well. Like, there's not Dishonored doesn't have much like in the way of. It doesn't glorify like mass violence mm-hmm. in the way a lot of those kind of games do. It is just horrible, and I think that's that's very Fincher. I'm intrigued. I feel like this is going to be the case for all of these. I'd like to see it. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting. Matt? I'm going to go for one that I fear, Cardi, you might steal from me. So I'm I'm going to tactically play this one. Comedy film or series, I think I'd have it as a series, is Monkey Island. Oh! Okay, so I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. Oh, okay. It. There we go. But I, I, I did consider it, but mm-hmm. it didn't make my, my final, like, two. Yeah, so this is like obviously kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean stole fucking shitloads of stuff from Monkey Island, <laughs> which, you know, yes, they're both hark from the same books and Disney mm. fairground ride. So, you know, I get that. Um, but having watched Our Flag Means Death earlier this year, I can sort of see Monkey Island as like an endearingly low budget kind of like comedy series in the same way, like the whole thing looks like it's on a set and like Mm -hmm. part of the joke is the fact that it's this very facade version of kind of the golden age of piracy um i don't know like i wouldn't necessarily go as far as bringing like taika watiti into it and actually having like our flag means death kind of production team make it but that kind of vibe around Mm -hmm. kind of like you know very much playing up the kind of bumbliness and the sort of weird space that monkey island exists in in that it's kind of it's set in the golden age of piracy but almost all of its kind of puzzles and problems and stuff are kind of seen through a modern day lens like it's very has like modern day humor particularly well i guess 90s modern day humor kind of applied to those situations you know there's always kind of like you know kind of secondhand car salesman in stan but it's boats and sort of like mm-hmm. real estate problems and all of that i think it would just make like an endearing and like almost each 20 minute episode is built around a sort of singular puzzle for guybrush to solve but obviously rather than it being a verb sheet based puzzle it is kind of like an interpersonal sort of mad puzzle mm-hmm. yeah i can see that definitely good one nice one you've got another one i do so i've got monkey island so i'm gonna go for my prestige tv series we're gonna have denis Veneuve move into Making the era TV. of tv yeah he's he's, he's going oh, long sure like that <laughs> and he's going to make the deus ex television show Whoa. i had this this was my blockbuster uh-huh. movie was denis villeneuve's deus ex <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's, I chose Prestige TV just because I think there is so much to explore in Deus Ex and I also like the idea of being able to have over kind of like maybe four seasons 
you actually seeing the progression from the Jensen era into the JC Denton era mm-hmm. and actually being able to properly tie those together and see sort of like the shift from augments that are physical things on your body into the nanotech and seeing people become like much more kind of like fluid rather than mechanical. Why is everyone taking my favourite ones? <laughs> why is this happening? And obviously, the reason why Denis is right for this is because fucking Blade Runner 2049 is an absolute masterpiece of cyberpunk fiction. And like mm. he's got the, the, the visual vision and the weight of that kind of like... Deus Ex is obviously all about the questions. Is, is it right to, to, to do this mm-hmm. to people? Is it right for science to run as a mock as it wants and create all sorts of human upgrades getting to the point of humanity sort of basically being robots and then obviously on top of that i think like he could have a lot of fun with the conspiracy angles that that kind of run yeah. under it's, it's perfect mm-hmm. uh and it, even the look of it like mm-hmm. human revolution the yellows the blacks yeah. the oranges like blade runner 24 it had a lot of that like it is almost too good like it it needs to happen almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would? I'm trying to think. We don't. We haven't really said who would. Not doing casting, but who? I'm trying to think who would be a good uh, Jensen. But did not know. think that far. I just no, know no. that kind of like he's the right. Oh, Jake. I could Gyllenhaal. Let's go Gyllenhaal. I think he's too almost great. a bit too charismatic. Yeah, for like yeah. I was Jensen maybe. is. I was thinking Bale. Jackman would be quite good, actually. Jackman as Jensen. Is he too charismatic? Everyone, actors are too charismatic. That's their problem. I think you want you someone to... who's got a little hard-edged meanness to uh, them. Chalamet's a bit young, but maybe Fuck 10 Chalamet. years in the future. I don't Chalamet. want to see Chalamet like act ever again. Really? I liked it. I like Chalamet. <laughs> just, I, I just okay. found him so boring in Dune. <laughs> Do you know what? If you want someone a bit drier, maybe Renner. He's a bit... He could maybe do it. Nor None Renner. of these fit for me. Uh, okay. I want I want Renner, but matter. from where from in the town where he's got a crazy Boston <laughs> accent. Yeah, I'm not going to try and do it, but no. yeah, uh, that's a great pick, man. I'm very annoyed because yeah, that was my blockbuster. But thankfully, I do have well, Cardi, just just give me a seven ninety nine a month to sub to to <laughs> Netflix, and you'll be good. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't wait. To, mine's actually six ninety nine, and you can family share. So uh, please uh, go for Simon Prime. Mine's free, but you have to watch half an hour of ads before every yeah. single episode. <laughs> Um, Joe, you've got a pick. Yeah, uh, I'm going for another lazy one. Very, it's kind of half made already. We're getting Matthew Weiner, and we're making a prestige no! TV series of La Noir. <laughs> oh, this yes. is my top prestige. What is this happening? <laughs> what? Uh, this is. I know. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, it just <laughs> makes perfect in, in exactly the same as Overwatch. The same way as Overwatch. <sighs> L.A. Noir already copied Mad Men by stealing its entire cast <laughs> and vibe. Uh, so just get the guy who made Mad Men to make the L.A. Noir show and put all his favourite actors in it. Cole Phelps is back as Cole Phelps. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, just do L.A. Noir. I would like that story was so good and frankly was sort of dragged out by being a game. So just make it that really cool story they made in L.A. Noir. I'd watch it all again. And especially if there yeah. was like one comedy scene where a guy made crazy faces while being interviewed, <laughs> uh, uh, it would be perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, you're acting Free. like we've my. You're acting like we've read your notes and we're reading no, them no, out. no. I'm just, I'm just like those are my like. When I started out this process, those were like the three I wrote down first. Mm-hmm. But Deus Ex, Overwatch, and Alone. I was like, these are the three I want. 
gone. All gone. All gone. <laughs> Soz. All gone. Oh, God. Well, I've got two picks now. Yeah. At least I can wrestle it back. Means I've only got one left for my prestige TV series, but I think it is a banger. I want Mike Flanagan, mm. and I want him to make What Remains of Edith Finch the TV series. Interesting. Ooh. I could see what I see where you're coming from on that. I think he can do the separate. He would expand mm-hmm. on the separate stories in that game per episode. He's known for his horror. This game isn't necessarily a horror. It has some. <sighs> tense moments it has some very sad moments the bath but that's scene, also mate. what he's very good he's very good haunting at, of at hill sadness. house is a horror but it's ultimately a very sad family mm. drama which is what remains of edith finch is i think he would just nail the tone of this and just like i said expand if each episode say it was an eight episode thing expanded on different stories from each of those members those family but obviously all linked in sort of a a way so it like you know i'm not making it he's making it you can work it out but i feel like he'd really get the tone of that house and that like he's done it with haunting a hill house and like yeah i feel like i don't know in my head this would be very good who would his wife play <laughs> uh well probably be the edith finch the, the mum no edith finch is a teenager isn't she or is she well i think she's grown started. up in the mm, is she like early narrative. 20s maybe yeah, I thought she was maybe. I always had her like in her early twenties. Mm, I don't know. Fair enough. But um, it'd be a lot less kooky yeah. with Flanners doing it. There's a I real like edge like of magical could... realism to some of that stuff, and I don't know if that's his yeah. vibe as much. I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I think it would know. be great. I feel like he could. He could do. But I haven't watched his new show, The Midnight Club, is mm. out today. Actually, is that today? That, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, amazing. Loads of stuff out today. So um, yeah, I might watch that and. Maybe yeah, uh, maybe I'll take him off the project, but I don't think I will because uh, no. he he's genuine, generally very good mm. at what he does. So yeah, that's my prestige TV series. I'm going for my blockbuster movie now, and it doesn't get much more blockbuster than James Cameron. I was trying to work out a and, Cameron fit. Well, he loves Max Titanfall Fuck two. Fuck off, Love James it. Cameron's oh title. <laughs> I've not got a pick now for blockbuster. I'm gonna have to sit here and think of one. I thought you picked your blockbuster movie. No. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Titanfall 2 by James Cameron. He, A, loves mechs. Aliens loves a mech. Avatar, mechs and aliens. But he also knows how to do a bit of a, a bonding father-son mm-hmm. story between a robot and a child, which is kind of what the Coop-BT relationship is. You need that warmth between them. You need that someone kind of caring for a robotic mind, also, which is what James Cameron can do very well. I'm surprised there isn't already a main character in a James Cameron film called Coop. That just seems like the most <laughs> James Cameron name. I feel like there, there probably is somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like he could... If you yeah, if you gave James Cameron the script for Titanfall 2, he'd be like, yeah, I'll get my teeth stuck into that after I've finished making four Avatar films. That um, is perfect. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think of yeah. that. Well done. Well done, yeah. both of you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt, but you know, you took one or two away from me, so I'm having that one. Whoa, my mic fell over. What? Um, yeah, I did have a good backup for Blockbuster as well, so that'll annoy you because I could have taken that, but oh well. I'll let you know what that is at the end. But, uh, Joe, you've got another pick now. I'm going special source. Oh, he's going straight for the Let source. me tell you why it's special. It's because we're going to take okay. Mark, we're going to take Scorsese. And we're going to make him make one thing for the rest of his natural life. 
Oh, well, that's probably not, sadly, not Which is a giant crime epic Yakuza. I want Scorsese's Ooh. Yakuza because... See, and it's the th- Michael Mann's kind of already done that this year. <laughs> no, because this is the thing. Michael Mann's is the bleak, blue-hued, okay. fucking you Ansel Elgort, to- boring <laughs> character man. Right. Okay. What you want from Scorsese's one... We're not just thinking, yeah. we're not just mapping the Goodfellas of it all. This is the Wolf of Wall Street of it all. The excess okay. of Yakuza. There'll be a whole episode <laughs> of just them doing that song in the karaoke bar and having like <laughs> grim chats about family life. Uh, mm-hmm. You would have him doing like crazy, like you could get in the madness of Yakuza with the, with the Scorsese hit. Like maybe not quite crime boss riding a motorbike shirtless at you in a sewer as does happen in Yakuza 0, but you could get, like, really mad bullshit in there with Scorsese on this. Um, and I just want, like, 15, 16 seasons of it. I want him... 16 yeah, seasons? I want, I want the entirety of Kazuma Kiryu's life, like, like done, beginning to the end. Man, the man is 80 next month. Yeah. He's not going to make 16 seasons of Yakuza. He will if I push him. We're... Ca- <laughs> Devil in the White Sea, bin it off. Flower Moon, yeah. bin it off. You're on Yakuza for the rest of your life, Marty, and we're going to have a grand old time. Are you going to make him do Ishin as well? Oh, he's doing the whole lot. Everything. And he's, okay. we're going to move in. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I just think it would be beautiful to watch. Uh, and he'd just get yeah. it all right. I mean, yet again, I would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I worry about his health. I reckon. I, remember, I think you may kill one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, but will it be worth it? Potentially. For the success of Jolu, everything is worth yeah. it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Matt, have you thought of a blockbuster film? I have now, yeah. Luckily. Uh, okay. Are you going to pick it now? Uh, I've got two picks now, haven't I? Yeah. Um, you know what? I don't think it... You've both picked your blockbusters, haven't you? So I can yeah, leave I that. I could put it some... I've still got a special source, though. Don't that is that. true. Oh. Um, but um, I'm going to go for other ones first. So um, I'm going to go for animated film or series. I think this is probably a film. Um, now, my heart in this would have gone for Pyre, but I've got a brain. I know that we've got to go for, <laughs> for what's going, you know, for for the masses. So it's going to be Hades. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is the Hades animated, like proper kind of Saturday morning cartoon. You bring back Gen Z, who was the artist at Supermassive. You get her on board. She's going to push forward this whole project. And yeah, we're going to find a way out to turn a roguelike, almost entirely <laughs> about combat, into a uh, into an animated film. But I think there's enough of kind of like the writing and the characters in there mm-hmm. that you can extrapolate like a really fun kind Absolutely. of... Absolutely. Like you said you're going like Saturday morning cartoons Does that mean it's going to be like kid friendly because I envisioned it more like Castlevania a bit more like blood and I just think that the, the, the cutscenes <laughs> in Hades of which obviously there are only very few because it's not really cutscene heavy but they, they remind me a lot of that kind of He-Man sort of vibe to it mm-hmm. um, so I think kind of like you know a bit more blood in it which you can generally get away in in an animated thing you know as long as it's not egregious but I think it's got kind of like you know those larger than life kind of like kid show characters to it um, you can mm-hmm. still have, you know, some of the heavier kind of Greek mythos in it and, you know, those underlying morality tales that they say. But I think, like, I want fun over anything else. I yeah. I also... It, it, 
Yeah, works. I like the idea of like the cold open being uh, like a perfect run, getting all the way mm-hmm. through, and then hitting uh, hitting that boss battle, and just getting absolutely mm-hmm. fucked, and then yeah. waking up mm-hmm. in uh, in the starting area the again. Sticks. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, it works. I did think I did think about this one as well. It would. Mm-hmm. It's just good, isn't it? Hades is good. I've I've been kind of. It's just too much to do, but. I could play that game, and never have I done this before. Like started a road, like again, just from scratch. Not even pick up my save, just go start it again. But yeah, it is very good, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've got another pick though. Mate. Right, then. what are you thinking? Indie movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indie obviously because I I was going back and forth on this, but indie in the film space doesn't have a distinct. We basically mean definition. lower budget, I think. Yeah. So so this is I'm gonna get Dan Trachtenberg in. Oh. And he's gonna because because you know obviously indie can also sort of mean that yes it's the lower budget sort of thing but they mm-hmm. can still have a certain amount of budget but it tends to be that like auteur craftsmanship right that we associate yeah. with this. I movie. mean like most recently what he made Prey which isn't high budget yeah and is mm-hmm. essentially a video game maybe. yeah so but he's gonna make the Half Life film okay Ooh. and on a low budget on a low Half-Life budget Half Life One not Half Half Life One yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and the reason why I'm picking Half Life One is. I think it's massively important that Gordon Freeman doesn't speak a word. Um, like that's that's the character. The character is you, and it's a the idea of putting just a man in like lots of horrible situations. Mm. And so what this is is like a silent movie, sort of like largely like you're going to have other people that are talking, mm. but just those like. You know those films that particularly... You know the opening of There Will Be Blood, which is just like a very oh, quiet do, yeah. watch of a man struggling in a in like a, a confined situation? I really like the idea of like just those long shots of like Gordon stuck like in a barnacle. The barnacle's kind of chomping at him. He's just desperately reaching for the crowbar. And it's all just kind of like the pain of watching the situation, the pain of watching this man desperately trying to escape corridors full of aliens that are warping in. Now, I already said this for Denton, but actually, this is Christian Bale with a goatee. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Silent, struggling Christian Bale with a goatee and glasses on. Come on. That's mm-hmm. perfect. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think there's something really in there, just like, you know, because so much of Half-Life stories told through environment rather than, like, there's not a lot of characters in Half-Life that come up and literally tell you the plot. Um, so I like that, like, you know, being able to spend a lot of your money on just like building a nice set of a facility, which you can build like these individual, quite painful set pieces in. And, you know, kind of like you wouldn't have like the legions of aliens that are in kind of like the the game and you wouldn't need it because it's not a shooter. Um, you know, one kind of Vortigaunt is enough for a scene, you know, maybe two. And then you just get like, you know, get a good bit of makeup budget in there, do some some of those, have a bunch of head crabs thrown around, and then just dress some people up as soldiers to hunt you down and have like that. Have you seen 1917? Sorry, not 1917. Mm-hmm. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. 71, the one that's set mm-hmm. in, um, Ireland. In, in Ireland. There's just a sequence there in which like the guy is being chased by military people and just that sense of like hiding and waiting for them to go away, it creates a sense of horror. Like I love the idea of a sequence in which like Gordon is just hiding from all the Marines that have come in to wipe and clean up. Like mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff fit together, make a good sort of like low to mid budget half life art film, basically. Love it. Yep. I like it. Um 
Is it me? No, it's Joe. It's me, baby. You do it. I don't know. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I will go for indie movie, and I will get Guillermo del Toro to return to his younger roots and direct mm. the Return of the Obra Dinn. Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. Nice, self-contained little horror mystery. It's mm. got like. There's some of the archness and strangeness of the setting even before there's, like, supernatural elements. And he's got, like, the creepy little death clock. You can really imagine mm-hmm. that. I'm thinking black and white, very stark black and white. Like, yep, almost Sin City black and white, but not as fucking horrible as that. Um, and I think once it becomes, like, this... There's a twist in Oberdin where it becomes more yeah, fantastical. Yeah, yeah. I'll try not to give it away just in case, because you should play Return to the Oberdin, Turn off the Oberdin. Uh I think he'd just, he'd sell that a lot more. And I think rather than, you'd have to adapt how you explore those look back scenes. And to me, it's more about flashbacks that slowly reveal more of the mystery in a plot sense, but you're not walking, you don't have a character walking around a static scene. I think you actually have them walking around seeing the events happen like you lose a little bit of the gameplay element to to give a bit more like kinetic feeling to it but i just think del toro's mm-hmm. got all the vibes of of he Oberdin. absolutely has all the vibes of that yeah i could i could see i that. think it works yeah okay does he shoot it in like a, a that sort of weird style or is he is he i think it's more i think it's a vision. stark black and white but i don't think it's got one bit it's not going for a okay. it's not rotoscoping it's just it's got yeah, like a classic silent cinema feel to it, I reckon. Nice. I, no, cool. I like it. I'm into that. I'm into that. I've got a couple of picks. Right. I'm going to do something with Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm not having all this and <laughs> mm. I'm not, not doing something with him. And I've got one, which I've got a highbrow option for him and I've got a lowbrow option for him. <laughs> he loves both. <sighs> Freezing. I'm going to go, though, for a comedy movie by Paul Thomas Anderson. Nice. Because his films are hilarious. Even the ones that aren't comedies are hilarious. They'll Be Blood and Phantom Fred are very, very funny. And he does do comedy very well. But I'm harking back to his Boogie Nights days, which is a hilarious film, for the most part. And I'm vibing off of that. So for comedy movie, and I never thought I'd say these words... We're having Paul Thomas Anderson's Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, wow. That is not what I thought you were doing. (laughs) Good Lord. I was very close to doing something a bit more sensible with Paul. But I thought, do you know what? (laughs) Paul Thomas Anderson's Leisure Suit Larry. You've lost every potential subscriber you could possibly get. (laughs) He, look, he would somehow make it good. I mean, I know he's good. He's he's not a miracle worker, mate. <laughs> Look, I've never actually played a Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have. But I was thinking, what is the closest game to Boogie Nights? <laughs> and it was either that or Vice City. Well, that's and it. I've of Leisure... course it's Vice City. That's what I thought you were going to say, you mad bastard. Yeah, but I thought Leisure Suit Larry's just funnier. <laughs> so I've gone for that. Because <laughs> I want that. Uh, when I write this article next week, I'll more than likely 
will pick my highbrow option for him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would be his indie movie. But I'm not going to reveal that because, um, well, I can do, so I'm not going to pick it now. Um, it would be him making Red Dead 2. <laughs> <laughs> which is it's probably a better use of his talents than Leisure Suit Larry but um, no Paul Thomas Anderson's Leisure Suit Larry because because you've lost it because you've Cause lost, I've lost it. the yeah because I've lost the plot um, look, that's winning me this I don't I don't think that's losing everyone's everyone you telling me people aren't subscribing to Simon Prime to see Paul Thomas Anderson have Leisure a bit suit where you walk Larry. around like a hotel picking up condoms off the floor Jesus. yeah but that's <laughs> That's not going to be his vision for it. He's taking the essence. <laughs> one of the dreams is one of the games is called Wet Dreams Don't Die. Yeah. God's sake! Yeah, he's not making that one. He's made, wasn't there one called Magna Cum Laude? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it Magna Cum Louder? Was that the deal? I don't know. Oh, anyway, that's what that's what we're having for that, and that leaves me with my indie movie. Which is a much more highbrow affair. Um, David Lowry, who made The Green Knight for mm. A24, mm-hmm. has all the chops to make Shadow of the Colossus, from what I saw from that film. Um, he, there were some big old Colossus-looking blokes in, uh, in yeah, The Green just, Knight. That's I, mainly... I don't know what this movie is. <laughs> oh, well, it's similar to The Green Knight. I think it's one man's journey through a world to save someone he loves. But the thing about The Green Knight is that it was understated and about those personal moments. And the thing about Shadow of the Colossus is it's about stabbing fucking flying stone <laughs> well, birds yeah. in the head. <laughs> but it was also... The Green Knight had a very... had a little bit of action, but it was a very mournful film. Mm. And Shadow of the Colossus does have action. His won't... It'd probably pare down the number of Colossus, Colossi. It'd be much more mournful. Um, <laughs> Your low-budget indie movie. <laughs> It's yeah. Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> yeah. Well, Green Knight wasn't that high, but that's an A24 yeah. film, and he Again. pulled off some incredible effects in that. That giant, there was basically a Colossus, there's a Titan in that. Yeah, but it's a, that's it, a person on a green screen in the background. It's not <laughs> climbing Look, all over it. You can do incredible CGI work for little money these days. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I feel like that. that's what I'm picking. It's uh, my low budget. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus. There we go. Fair. From David Lurry. Well, well done to him. Mm-hmm. What a line Congrats. this is. <laughs> I, I actually really regret picking Leisure Suit. <laughs> you should. That was an idiotic choice. <laughs> Do you know what? I had Vice City sitting there all the way through yesterday, today, until five minutes ago. And I went, do you know what? <laughs> I do find it it's funny, and it might win you the draft just on like people going, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Right. Oh, well. Um, yeah, Jay, you've got a pick now. What have we got? Well, I've got three more. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think this is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how we got GTA Liberty City Stories and GTA Vice City Stories? Mm-hmm. Why don't we mm-hmm. make San Andreas Stories, but it's a TV show, a comedy ish tv show <laughs> not broad in the okay. vein of atlanta by donald glover atlanta. it made so much sense donald yeah. glover's san andreas okay. stories i love the idea of being able to explore like those bizarro bits you know the you know how atlanta's pushed towards like anthology storytelling to some extent and actually mm-hmm. in the context of atlanta it's a bit annoying because you those main characters are really good i think in the context mm-hmm. of gta 
pure Donald Glover telling really weird crime stories set across San Andreas, I think it would be really fucking cool. Lakeith Stanfield as CJ would be good as well. Lakeith Stanfield as anything is good. I'm just delighted with the (laughs) idea of Lakeith Stanfield existing. Um, uh, Yeah, I just think you'd have, like, there's so much scope for, like, bringing in just amazing actors for a single episode and doing really weird shit with them and then dropping it for another story and then kind of weaving in. Because all the, the... Liberty City Stories and Vice City Stories were both prequels, right? That was the deal. Mm, I think Vice City Stories was, at least. I can't remember. I just like the idea that you could sort of build in some of the stuff that comes in in San Andreas later, or even build up to GTA Five, like sow some seeds. Um, I just think it'd be great. I'm well into it. Donald Glover's San Andreas Stories. It'd be amazing. I like it. I like it. That's very that, that's a very sensible and um, good pick. I'm trying to win. Well done to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to run through madness. Um, I don't even know if we're going to put this to a vote or anything, but yeah. Of course well, we are. We okay, sorry. Uh, Matthew. <laughs> okay. I've got my Have block- you just got... Are these your last two? Have I've you got, got more? three. I've got Blockbuster oh, okay. Movie, yep. Reality or Game Show, and Wildcard Secret Sauce I love to do. It's weird. No one's gone for Reality or Game Show yet. <laughs> I've got, well, I have got one. I'm just not worried about someone else taking them. Mm-hmm. I've got four options I've for that. My, yeah. most, mine is coming. But first, I'm going to go Blockbuster Movie. I've, I've thought over the time since you stole my stuff. I've got two, but I'm going to go for the one that I would want to see the most, which is Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Does Deathloop? Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously he is a he is a visionary in terms of kind of like uh, ability to create very cool kind of things on screen with a sense of style. You know, obviously his Star Wars out of the three uh, prequel, sorry, sequel films is the one with the most interesting visual identity, particularly you know seen in the throne room scene. Uh, Looper has like a really fun kind of sci-fi world that's a bit rickety, which is a bit like mm-hmm. what Deathloop is. He loves loops, but he's also very talented for comedy, as um, uh, like Glass out. Onion and uh, Knives Out has kind of proved. Um, and also, those films are about putting together a puzzle, right? Like searching, kind of like for for the through multiple layers, putting pieces together, and that's exactly what Deathloop is. You essentially do that as Groundhog Day. Awesome. And you've got Deathloop. Classic noir. Brick. He's already done a noir. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got the chops. Mm-hmm. This is, you've sold yeah. this. I'm in. I think it's very good. Like, um, you know, uh, if anybody's seen kind of like there was uh, some some stuff that I was involved with that's been on the site about talking about Deathloop one year later, one of the things that we were discussing on, discussing on there was the idea of who would play kind of like these characters. Uh, get John David Washington in for Colt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kiki Palmer in for Juliana, and, very good. and yeah. I'm I'm sold. Away you go, yeah, yeah, that'd be very good. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'd watch that. That, yep. Reality. Who would play? We never actually talked about who would play Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, <laughs> I actually do want to is, answer that question right now. Is is Rick Moranis coming making a comeback anytime? <laughs> I don't want to see Rick Moranis talk about his dick. <laughs> um. Uh, how old is Larry? <laughs> oh, mate, I don't know. I know exactly August. who it is. It's William H Macy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yes, yeah. that is perfect, and that makes it kind. Of, that makes it good. Yeah, instantly now makes it's it like a good a much thing. Sadder life. Let's just suit. You you don't think we could get Daniel Day Lewis back for one more? <laughs> he might. Have, yeah, hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. So- I'd love sausages. to see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Good stuff. Oh, sorry, Matt. What was your what's your right? Pick? Next pick: reality or game show? Yes. Have either of you watched the rehearsal yet? I haven't. Yes, I have. Right. Okay. So, for people that haven't seen the rehearsal, which is understandable because it is Good not explaining it easily, <laughs> it, it's not easily found in the UK at the moment. But the rehearsal is basically Nathan Fielder of uh, Nathan for You. Um, he has this kind of idea based around the idea of um, you're trying. He's helping people rehearse for big moments in their life. Um, so that might be like you've got to confess something to a friend and you're terrified of doing it. And he rehearses the idea over and over with you so that every potential thing that could go wrong, you know how to adapt to. But what like the big kind of thing that flows through the rehearsal is it's about him. Like there's this woman that he meets who um, she wants to have a baby, but she doesn't know if like she will actually she enjoy the work. case of caring yeah. for a baby over a life. And so he basically sets up like a simulated life for her. And it's done as kind of like a fly on the wall documentary where there's just cameras in this house and you watch this woman caring for child actors as if they are her child. Um, so I'm sort of using that as a jumping off point to do Nathan Fielder's sort of like comedy slanted reality show Animal Crossing, in which... <laughs> I was so sure you were going to say The Sims throughout this entire thing. No, Animal, no, Crossing. No. Animal Crossing was on my list for reality TV show, but yeah, it would be, yeah, just drop someone on an island with loads of so, animals. So Nathan Fielder <laughs> drops a person onto an island where there's loads of hidden cameras, but every single inhabitant of the island is a furry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And well, each what, what, week, and just see what happens. And each week, there's just like they get given like odd tasks, like like the Tom Nook character is like, you owe us, you know, me money for for this, this, and this. So you've got to do some batshit kind of roughly Animal Crossing themed kind of task. And it's just basically watching like a poor person try to navigate their way around a very deranged version of Animal Crossing. I like wow. it. I yeah, think that's I great. I could see him enjoying that as well, to be honest. Um, I could definitely see him dressing up as well and pretending mm-hmm. he's, he's... Yeah, he did enjoy that. Actually, I'd prefer if it's just him on the island and see what happens. Mm. Just put him on there. Yeah. That's good, though. That is good. There we go. I'll take Animal Crossing off of my uh, list then. I've <laughs> got some other unhinged ideas, so don't worry. Um, Joe, what are you going for? Remake. Oh. Forget the Hitman movies. It's now. I, I had. <laughs> it's now a limited series. Oh, oh, yeah, that's good. And it's fucking Chrissy Nolan coming in with his mm-hmm. cold Ooh. approach to action again. Good luck getting Chris Nolan to make a TV show. It's just limited series. It's basically a long movie, and he loves a long Fair movie. Um, so oh. we we get Chrissy Nolan in. I d- honestly, I don't have much to add on this. He can do a paranoid yeah, thriller. It works. He can do uh, he can do action. He can do style, but it like a very blue hued, quiet style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his way of making a Bond thing as well. It's different, like exotic location each time. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling on an Agent Forty Seven. Hmm. I think do you, you just want, want an already known. bald? Yeah, wants... but do you make them bald, or do you want someone who's known to be bald? I think you make Again. them bald. But they have to be kind of a bit uncharacteristic. I don't know. They need to be. They can't be packed full of charm, can they? No, no. You could get Oliphant back. He could still do it. I don't want Oliphant. He's too. Um, he's got too much charm. I didn't see those mm. films, but he's t- he's got a really cheeky face. I don't trust this. Yeah. I don't want him as. A- it was. Uh, was it? 
Matt Lucas? No, oh, yeah, who's the Matt second Lucas. guy that? <laughs> <laughs> who's the second guy that played him? The guy that was in uh, Homeland. Friends. No. Richard, Richard Friends. No. Rupert, Rupert Friends. Friend. Rupert yeah. Friends. Mm-hmm. I he forgot he did. More ki- yeah, he was much more of like Agent Forty Seven's kind of like, you know, kind of like coldly not ruthless is the wrong kind of word for him but just like incredibly like efficient but mm. also like he just it just doesn't look like him does he he's not what got, about, like, a height do they need it's hard to, like, what about bautista too big you need him to be too, live is he too mm. that's why yeah. i can't say michael chickless um <laughs> or, or yeah i'm trying to, yeah i don't know casting in age of 47 is a tough one isn't it, it is tough you need someone yeah. who looks very strong but he's tall and thin yeah, it's got also, yeah, it's just... hidden power. Oh, yeah. IGN underscore UK feedback IGN.com who would be a good Ball, uh, Ross Kemp. Bald Cumberbatch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? I, I have to stop thinking. That'll take up the whole podcast. It's like, think I think it's one of the most intriguing casting decisions that Christopher <laughs> Nolan will ever have to make is who will play his Agent 47. Uh <laughs> But uh, Kristen Scott Thomas plays Diana. Um, okay, yeah, so got there's that. that. One. Um, yeah, I just think yeah. it would be put. Uh, he'd just do such justice to all the locations and the and the uh, the murders. <laughs> it would be great. And it, that's the thing: limited series, start to end. You have the conspiracy he's a part of, but each episode is a separate assassination that all contributes mm-hmm. to one overarching thing. It's perfect. He'd be amazing. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Get him in. Jolu's gonna do it. Ooh. Do you know who might be? Oh, is he a little bit old? Um, what's his What's his name? Oh, I've gone mad. Uh, I'll find it within two seconds. Could you, Could it be old? John Hare. Duh, duh, duh. Here we go. This is going to be worth it. This is absolutely going to be worth it once I find out this. Where I remember. What about a bit of Mark Strong? Oh, I mean, he's he's much he more likely to be uh, murdered in that show, mm-hmm. and I would love to mm-hmm. see it. Maybe I love Mark Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, Jason Isaacs is in it. Bald. I think Jason Isaacs and Mark Strong play businessmen who get murdered together. <laughs> Big so Diana thing gets like pushed fi- on them. Fifteen years ago, it would have just been Statham. Mm, no, they've got to be. But they've not got to be days. elegant. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, we'll 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 move on. We'll move on. Um, I've got two picks now. These are my last two picks, in fact. Mm. Whew. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? What order I do these in? My special source. I want Richard Linklater's bully, because no one knows how to do. Yeah, he knows how to do a school film. If you've seen Days to Confused, if you've seen Everybody Wants Some, I love those films. He's one of my absolutely one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. But, we're leaning more away from the before trilogy, although they are special to me. He's not, you know, there's no real. You, I suppose you could do like Florence with that for him, but um, no, we're doing. He knows how to have fun in a school setting, and I feel like yeah, he'd have a lot of fun. It's a similar vibe to Dates and Confused. It'd be just like a day in the life of um, it is Jimmy, isn't it from Bully? I'm not misremembering that. I think his name's Jimmy. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's just him having fun. Basically, like I, I would love a bully two set in. I think everyone wants bully two like set in a, a college or a university. Mm. But maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's a sequel set in university. I don't know. But yeah, Richard Linklater's bully, which also uh, yeah, 
It's maybe set in Texas now because all his films are. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm going for my special source. A more sensible pick than Leisure Suit Larry, which I'm regretting more and more as the seconds tick by. Um, <laughs> and now my game show. Let me tell you about The Lonely Island's masked Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> You have all three of the Lonely Islanders judges, and basically you have wannabe rappers coming along dressed as Parappa the Rapper characters, and basically they're celebrities, and they have to guess who are these celebrity rappers. Um, and you also get the Lonely Island at the end of each show. You know they'll they'll premiere a new song or a video or something like that, so you get a bit of them. Um, yeah, that's my game show is the Lonely Islands masked Parappa the Rapper. That's great. <laughs> I think it's perfect. Yeah, it works. I'll say my, I had a couple of other terrible ideas for game shows. Well, which don't, I might I've reveal got a few at the end. Show, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll reveal them at the end. But um, yeah, that's my full list now. We'll go through them all of ours in mm-hmm. a minute. But Joe, what's your last pick? It's my game show. Now imagine mm-hmm. it's two in the morning. For some reason, okay. you're looking at Eurosport. <laughs> Handball has just finished. And you're just drunk enough to want to wait to watch Kabaddi later. Oh, I love But Kabaddi. you know you've got to sit through whatever's on next. Suddenly, the music starts and you realise oh, that yeah, what you're watching what it is. is real life windjammers. <laughs> it's fucking windjammers in real life. People throwing frisbees at each other. Everyone's wearing basically no clothes. It's probably happening in Miami. It's fucking amazing. There's a dog. Oh my god, real life wind jammers. <laughs> I mean, what more needs to be said? Oh, that's just perfect. Are these like professional teams or are these like one? Is it more of like a no like teams in common jammers, people mate. having a go? No, 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 no. It's professionals. It's real life. Okay, yeah. It's, it's real life frisbee stuff. tennis players. <laughs> Windjammer league. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I just think it's. I think it's just going to be the biggest thing on Eurosport at one in the morning. <laughs> well, it's on. It's on Joe Lou, isn't it? Well. We're you know, acquiring you, Eurosport to put Windjammers on. Licensing it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, Windjammers. I'd watch it. I would watch all of these, to be probably apart from Let's Just See It, Larry, which is my own fault. No, um, you would, though, because it's P.T. Anderson. You have to watch it for completion's It'll sake. Be, yeah, it would be good. It would still be good. Um, Imagine that comes out and they're like, you. after all this time, P.T. Anderson's absolutely shat the bed. <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> finally... Finally wins his Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, your last pick, what is it? This is the, the wild card. And I kind of just went mm. like wild for wild card rather Ooh. than just picking like a thingy. So what well, this is, now I have to clarify, is Baldur's Gate allowed or is it not because of the D&D film? I think it's, oh, allowed. it's allowed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's Baldur's Gate. It's been filmed on an absolutely absurd budget mm-hmm. if you think okay. that kind of rings of power was was big <laughs> this is like 10 times and it's taken us 10 years to make it's the us because... gdp <laughs> this has absolutely sunk your your, your network <laughs> and the reason why it's taken so long to make is that we have reshot literally every scene in the thing so there are about six different options <gasps> and when you're watching it you choose what the characters do in it <laughs> yeah oh, it's no. mega bandersnatch i because <laughs> there is that part of you i'm sure i'm sure both of you 
briefly considered the idea of Mass Effect and then realised that's a mm-hmm. silly thing to try and pitch because mm-hmm. the whole point well, is the choices. they are making it as well. Are they? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's stupid, it. isn't it? Um, <laughs> but I love, Matt, that you've gone full. Yeah, it's insane <laughs> to do this, so we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So like a ten billion budget, like yeah. billion dollar budget. It's got like literally everything. My original idea was like I sort of thought like, do we do it live and audiences like tap in what they want, and then every actor's had to memorize like what the potential outcomes are. But I just think just like uh, you can watch it streamed like Bandersnatch, but it's just like pretty much everything has got like a choose your own kind of scene elements mm-hmm. to it and and yeah that's that's Baldur's Gate done like that I can't wait for all the articles about like the 10 most insane CEOs of all time and you're number one <laughs> uh, even even you're even in front of the man who got Paul Thomas Anderson to make Leisure Suit Larry <laughs> I mean it is a struggle because all of the actors like look at different complete different ages halfway through the project it's like you get to scene yeah. 16 and it was quite clearly filmed too far down the line so they've gone a bit bald yeah <laughs> amazing well these are some incredible lines I'm just before we go through what we've got I'm just, mm. uh, I just want to mention uh, honorable mention to some of my backups here. I don't know if you guys I have do, got some yeah. too, but my backup, which uh, she won't be happy with at all, to my blockbuster movie is Catherine Bigelow's Modern Warfare mm-hmm. <laughs> because she would yeah. do it. That would also be unbelievable. But I just wanted to see Ty and fall that a little bit more yeah. than the Modern Warfare. Um, for my reality shows, I had Until Dawn, but real. Basically, you just put eight people and have to survive a night. <laughs> I'm not saying they'll get killed, but you know, you'll get you get got. It's a game show. They'll be, you know, you have to make the right choices. I could see my other one, Dead by Daylight, Dawn. in that vein as well. Yeah, absolutely. And my other one was Scrap Heap Challenge, but for Mario Kart. So you have to build a Mario Kart. I had Scrap Heap Challenge, but for Rocket League. <laughs> oh, there you go. Go great minds. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my original actual first choice for remake before I took Silent Hill was going to be Gareth Evans, but I don't want him to double up. I want him to make Max Payne because mm. um, that would also be good. And yeah, more said, less said about the Max Payne film, the better. Um, yeah, those were my backups. I don't know if you guys had any you wanted to mention. Oh mate, Red Dead Redemption <laughs> film about Dutch. By Martin Scorsese, that was didn't want to double. That's up. basically what mine was yeah. for Paul Thomas Anderson. That's what they'll be bloody yeah. really. Isn't it? Um, Steven Spielberg's Eighty Days. Ah, oh, it'd be <laughs> such a wonderful journey. It'd be incredible. That would be very good through a steampunky yeah. world. Ah, oh, be beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. The Castlevania animation team take on Hollow Knight was one of them. I thought yeah, I just put Hollow beautiful. Knight as an animated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what this is. Uh, Cameron Crowe's DJ hero. <laughs> Is that just solely based on high fidelity? It's, oh, and uh, and uh, almost famous. Yeah, that's um. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah Jesse good. Armstrong's brutal satire, Sim City. I love the idea of him having like inept people running running town planning while tornadoes rip through their town constantly. <laughs> Uh, and we I actually had Disco people. Elysium, but I wanted Paul Thomas Anderson on it for the comedy aspect. Um, but I think Lynch yeah, yeah. is probably, you know, he makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, and Good also, choices. I couldn't decide whether it was a comedy movie, a comedy series or a reality show, but just FIFA the journey, like putting a normal man in a bunch of <laughs> in a bunch <laughs> of incredibly good de- uh, professional football teams. Can we just get actual Alex Hunter, the, yeah. the actor, to do it? I should have gone for a city. What have I done? Yeah, insane. 
Matt, uh, you got any Matt? Uh, I had um, my other blockbuster movie I come up with was Peter Jackson doing Destiny. I just think kind of like oh. that Lord of the Rings kind of like very realistic sort of like you know having a hundred armorers making exotics and, and mm. sort of doing all that. I think that would have been very cool. I'd like to see Jackson try sci-fi because he's so good at obviously fantasy. Uh, and then the other one was Escape from Tarkov, the the reality show. Oh my god! <laughs> I think I think I'd probably get sued by a lot of dead dead people's families for that one. Yeah, that's yeah, proper that dystopian nightmare on. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I'm just going to quickly run through. If you want to subscribe to Simon Prime, um, you're going to get James Cameron's Titanfall Two, David Lowry's Shadow of the Colossus, Mike Flanagan's What Remains of Edith Finch. Gareth Evans' Hotline Miami, Paul Thomas Anderson's Leisure Suit Larry, um, The Lonely Island's Master Rapper the Rapper, Ari Aster's Silent Hill, and Richard Linklater's Bully. I've got half madness, half A24. Mm. <laughs> that, that sums me up, innit? Uh, what, uh, Joe, what did you have? Joe Lou is running with a crazy launch day lineup of <laughs> David Fincher and Brad Pitt's Dishonored, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's Return of the Obra Dinn, Matthew Weiner's L.A. Noir, Pixar's Overwatch. Don't know how that didn't end up on Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> Donald Glover's San Andreas Stories, uh, a Hitman limited series from Christopher Nolan. Martin Scorsese's sixteen-season epic Yakuza, <laughs> and of course, Wind Jammers. <laughs> Christ, uh, that's then, a good lineup. <laughs> over on Matflix, you can get Ryan Johnson's uh, Death Loop. You can get Dan Trachtenberg's weird, slightly art house version of Half Life. You can get the prestige TV show of Deus Ex by Denny Villeneuve. You can get the Hades animated film, the Monkey Island TV show, a weird fucking Animal Crossing show from Nathan Fielder, <laughs> David Lynch's Disco Elysium, and the absurd overly produced Baldur's Gate TV show magic I think yours might be even weirder than mine so well done there. <laughs> it's just good shit all around uh, yeah again IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com let us know what your uh, don't flood us with many just pick one be sensible pick I thought you meant you like decide between yourselves about six or seven of you <laughs> yeah, no, no no each be sensible each just one what do you want to see and who do you want to see do it uh, and who plays Agent um, 47? Because it's weirdly hard to pick. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Um, knowing the search speaks, that's, uh, this was a fun game in itself. But we have got your feedback because last week we asked people to tell us what their like, um, honourable mentions for maybe forgotten first-person shooters are out there because we were talking about all about shooters. So some of you did, so we've got some of that. Joe, who have you got first? I've got Lewis McCann. Says, hello, lads, long time, first time, etc. I listened with bated breath as you discussed your honourable mentions of first-person shooters, recalling hazy memories of a perhaps misspent childhood playing Black and Soldier of Fortune, and later on spending boozy evenings playing Titanfall 2 and COD 4. I was Mm. disappointed to hear that no one mentioned the incredible Rainbow Six Vegas 2. Many an hour was spent with my friends in split-screen co-op terrorist hunt, customising our characters, camouflage and weapons to hunt down a predetermined number of bad guys who on harder difficulties could one-shot us, meaning we had to start the whole level back again. It's the first game I remember with truly fully customisable loadouts and characters with the ability to suppress and unsuppress weapons, as well as change between different fire modes. As much as you lot praise Rainbow Six Siege, I never got into it in the same way that I did with Vegas 2, and I'd love it if Ubisoft returned to the series and created a new version on modern hardware. 
Honourable mention also has to go to Conflict Denied Ops. I don't know what the fuck Conflict Denied Ops is. My friend and I spent days with the first Conflict Desert Storm game. (laughs) Admittedly, a third-person shooter. I would typically be player two, despite us playing at my house so that I could control Foley, the sniper. It's not many games these days where you have to be player two to play a certain character. Uh, After a sleepover where my friend and I spent hours completing the campaign for Desert Storm for what must have been the tenth time, my friend left and my mum came home shortly after with a copy of Conflict Denied Ops. (laughs) I immediately MS... This dates it. I immediately MSN messengered my friend to get his ass back to my house and we had another sleepover where we completed the campaign. I can't remember another FPS ever giving me such joy as these. The Matt, you sounded like someone who did that to get that was my voice doing there. Yeah. Those games didn't give you much I, joy. So actually Conflict Desert Storm I played a lot as a kid with, okay. with a friend. Uh, he had it on Xbox and we used to go around and my main memory of this is that uh you know how the Xbox had a hard drive and you could put music onto the hard drive mm. and then play that? My main memory of Conflict Desert Storm is that my friend always insisted that as the levels booted up, we had to walk while Layla played over the top <laughs> of it. <laughs> Um, Just walking into battle uh, with a fucking bit, a bit of Clapton playing in the back. Incredibly wow. evocative feeling there of the <laughs> um, the rare and beautiful second night sleepover. That, <laughs> yeah. that whenever that happened, I was like, I am living like a fucking king. Yeah, I get to. Speak. I definitely like came up with like bullshit stories of like I'd stay at a mate's house and then like like it got to lunchtime the next day and I'd be like, oh my. My parents have messaged me saying they're not actually going to be home and I don't have a key, so can I stay for longer? And well, I just end lied. up staying for another night. Yeah. You were and essentially one, one day my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. It was, it was nonsense. Uh, but there you go. I played Those are those days we'd play. Me and my mate would play, try and finish the whole game in a night and distinctly remember doing that with Stuntman, Stuntman Ignition. It was, it was, it was Metal Gear time. Solid 2, I think I did over a two-night sleepover once. That was uh, mm-hmm. that was all in one go. That was good. Those fun. were the days. Should we have a sleepover? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you can play online now. That's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? <laughs> I need to play more Overwatch too. Um, I've got a message from Marcus Curtin, who says, "Dear IGN UK, UK podcast team, long time listener and several times writer." If you ask me about a shooter you didn't make room for last time that was surprisingly entertaining for me, I will name Bulletstorm Duke Nukem Campaign. Mm. I just wanted to check it out for the Duke and found myself being glued to the Switch and playing the whole game, interrupted by laughter at the notorious one-liners. If you harbour... Oh, he's got to switch back into German. If you, if you have time, check it out. Thanks for the Deathloop shout-out. I very much enjoyed that game, and particularly the brilliant voice acting. Respect the sea. Marcus from Rittersport Land. Oh, Rittersport. Oh, God, Rittersport is good. I, we just don't have that white chocolate with like cornflakes one mm. over here, and it's very disappointing. Cause that, one, that one's magic. That is, uh, that is the chocolate I dropped notoriously <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't remember the Bulletstorm campaign. I don't. Do you... Matt, you know all these. Yeah, but so I've not played the because I think the <laughs> Bulletstorm one is. I think they put Duke Nukem in as a playable character into Bulletstorm Bullets. and like rejigs kind of like the the narrative oh. to make sure that he. I think he was essentially just a skin, but they made sure that like his dialogue was proper Duke Nukem dialogue and it fit mm-hmm. the game. But uh, yeah, Bulletstorm's like a good ride. Yeah, Bulletstorm's great. Yeah, 
yeah like like lots of lots of good like kicking things into spikes and like whipping them up and blasting the flesh off their skeletons like like yeah, yeah. people can fly a good at that you love all that for such a well-mannered young man you love ripping flesh off the things. i'm surprisingly into the violence aren't i considering I'm, I'm very much yeah hmm. uh, well why don't you read this email without uh, thinking about flesh mm-hmm <laughs> This one's from Scott Mackey, who says, I've got two shooters I'd like to shout out. Greedy. Doom 2016. Mm-hmm. But more for the fact that it ended up being far better than it should have been. They took 13 years developing it, scrapped it, restarted development halfway through. The beta came out to a resounding meh. It should have been one last desperate attempt to make the Doom franchise relevant. And yet, somehow, it ended up being very good. I do think Eternal is the more fun game, but I respect the 2016 game for bringing the series back in such a strong way. It is good. Yeah. His other one is also Bulletstorm. Hello. I was never really into FPSs back in the 360 days. COD and Battlefield weren't doing anything for me. I liked Halo, but I didn't absolutely love it like everyone else did. Bulletstorm was the first time an FPS really grabbed me because of how stupid, fun and over the top it was. Actively being rewarded for experimenting with the weapons and kills, hearing Jennifer hearing Jennifer Hale yell, I will kill your dicks, <laughs> or with a really good soundtrack playing in the background. Some of it is kind of childish, but the game embraces that crude childishness and runs with it. Going yeah. sentence one includes, I will kill your dicks, <laughs> to sentence two, some of it's kind of childish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Bulletstorm and Doom 2016 really on a continuum like that's two games that really feel like they're part of the same sort of subgenre. it's really interesting mm-hmm. I never got into Bulletstorm as much as Doom but maybe I need to revisit Bulletstorm I think it's aged mm. a little bit now I tried it a few years ago Probably. like not just in the I will kill all your dick stuff <laughs> um, uh, but you're like I think some of it feels a bit more like static than it did at the time Mm. um and doom definitely makes it feel very slow by comparison but there is really good ideas in there that you can feel doom kind of building on um particularly in alternate fires and like comboing and stuff like that yeah it's got that very like the thing that we were speaking about on the shooter episode was that like real nice ps2 era of guns just having loads of secondary fires that are a bit mental and sort of in bullet storm you can overcharge all your guns and they've got very cool like effects where like big spinning things on the side and sparks are flying out and they set your bullets on fire and stuff good Mm -hmm. fun good shit yeah there we go bullet storm the movie coming from i don't know Ang Lee uh, <laughs> next year. Um, right, that's enough of the, that's enough of that. Uh, again, IGN on school. You can be back at IGN.com. It's been it's been a pleasure, a very enjoyable one. Um, we'll try and keep these sure in the future, but we're having such a fun time. Why would we want to mm. stop it? Mm. Uh, what music? Layla. Should we have. Should we have Layla and will we? And if you're listening, <sighs> do we want to promote have... Clapton after his recent? Oh yeah, I was thinking. Turn to the. I was just thinking that all the listeners would have to walk as they listen to Layla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know now. <laughs> That's a funny proposition, but also I don't want to play Eric Clapton. Fine, uh, let's play. Hmm. Windjammer's hmm. music. I mean, it's always good to play Windjammer's music, isn't it? Let's just play some Windjammer's music. Let's just play some Windjammer's music. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.